This is Here Arizona, addressing issues, empowering our community. It's a sunny Saturday morning, and dozens of workers are putting up the first walls of a brand new house out in the suburbs north of Phoenix. This new house will belong to Chanel Sinclair. I'm, I'm excited because, I mean, the walls are up, and we're going to get all the walls up today, and we're making a lot of progress. So I'm happy. Chanel is a single mom, and even though she keeps a tight budget and was able to get a Section 8 voucher to help with housing costs, rent prices in the Phoenix area have been a struggle for her. I've been renting all my life, so this means a lot to me. But now, Chanel is getting out of the rental market altogether. From here, Arizona, this is Unaffordable. I'm Katherine Davis-Young. Chanel is buying a brand new house with the help of the nonprofit Habitat for Humanity. After years of renting, she's going to own her own house and she's going to be able to afford it. Habitat for Humanity works with families to find a no-interest repayment plan that fits within 30% of their income. They do pay a mortgage, so we're not, uh, we're not giving the home away, which is a kind of a misconception about Habitat. Dusty Parsons is Director of Marketing and Communications with Habitat for Humanity. The organization works with volunteers to build homes around the globe. Chanel's house is just one of around 30 that the organization will build this year in the Phoenix area. I want to thank everybody, the volunteers. Um, I want to thank Habitat and definitely the sponsors for coming out. This means a lot for me. And I'm actually learning uh, how to hold a hammer and a hammer in a nail straight. Chanel says she's looking forward to painting her walls whatever color she wants, maybe getting a dog, having family over, and not having to worry about having her rent raised. So I'm, I'm very um, blessed and thankful, and I'm, I'm gratefully um, appreciated, big time. Thank you all. This is such a happy ending for Chanel's housing story. But Chanel's story is really rare. Our wait list is uh, really too long right now. I think about six months ago, we had about 1,100 families waiting to, uh, to do what you're seeing here today. It's a lot. It's hard. <laughs> it is, and um, <clears throat> that's why this feels so great, because we know that uh, Chanel now and her son come off that list and uh, it'll make a big difference in her life. We can't really keep up, but if we ask her what difference is this making to her, she's going to tell you it, it makes a world of difference. Habitat for Humanity works with cities across Maricopa County to acquire as many cheap infill lots to develop as it can. But Parsons says finding affordable land is getting harder and harder. And as the Phoenix area only gets more expensive, Habitat's 1,100-person wait list will take a long time to work through. We're actually not able to keep up. That feeling Parsons describes that you might be able to help a few people, but you probably can't help everyone. That's something we heard from every organization we spoke to for this podcast. Every single one. 
We heard it from Terry Benelli at LISC. It's a matter of numbers. So we don't have enough subsidy to anywhere near keep up with what the luxury market is. We heard it again from Dee Dee Yazzie Devine at Native American Connections. Um, what are the occupancy rates of your affordable units right now? So I'm gonna say, you know, it's, it's functionally full. We heard it again from Andres Contreras at Chicanos Por La Causa. What does that tell you about the availability of affordable housing in Phoenix generally right now? It's stressed. It really is stress, and actually, if you start looking at what people can afford, um, it's it's going to get even it's going to get even more competitive. And on and on. So, what will happen if Phoenix doesn't address its housing shortage head on? Well, housing is economics. If it's too expensive to get a place in the city, people will just move farther away, right? That's what's happening in the Phoenix area right now. Mark Stapp is a longtime developer and executive director of the real estate program at ASU. I would say that most every one of the especially publicly traded builders is concentrated on building that median household income affordable housing. And they're having to look to the to Buckeye and to Peoria and Surprise and the northwest portion of the metropolitan area and then out past the White Tanks. Chanel's new house? That's out in Peoria, one of those communities Stapp mentioned. And for Chanel, that's great. Do you live pretty close to where you work? Oh, absolutely. Uh, five minutes away. So your new place is going to be maybe a little further away? Uh... Maybe 15 minutes. So once again, Chanel is lucky. She's not going to have to take on a really long commute in exchange for a home she can afford. But a lot of jobs in the Phoenix area are still concentrated in the central part of the city. When people have to live farther away to afford housing, they often have to sit on the freeway longer and pay more for gas. Those costs are obvious. What's not as obvious is that when hundreds and thousands of people start making that trade-off, it comes with more traffic, more wear on the roads, more smog and pollution. Sprawl is a really flawed solution to affordability. Stapp says the other issue is Phoenix can't just sprawl forever. When you look at how we're growing to the north, we've got BLM lands, state trust lands, and national forest lands. The same with Scottsdale. So the north and the northeastern part of the metropolitan area is bumping up against these barriers. Sure, it's the desert. If you hike up Camelback Mountain and look out over the valley, it feels like the land here just expands infinitely into the sunset. But we are actually starting to run out of developable land around Phoenix. Not to mention, it's the desert. There's not a lot of water here. Researchers at Climate Central say Phoenix is one of the fastest warming cities in America. It's hard to imagine Phoenix could get much hotter, but it's going to, and climate change could make drought conditions a lot scarier pretty soon. And the farther the city spreads, the more water infrastructure it needs. Historian and journalist John Talton says lawmakers here need to take sustainability into account in urban planning decisions. This is a, a, uh, an absolutely critical moment in history because we face the existential crisis of climate change. And Phoenix is not taking it seriously, nor is Arizona. Uh, we cannot continue the sprawl. 
So environmental sustainability is one major concern. But as fewer people can afford to live in Phoenix and the area's homeless population grows, that has some people worried about the region's economic sustainability, too. If there are no changes to anything, downtown Phoenix in the next 10 to 20 years will have basically squandered a huge opportunity. Sean Sweat is the president of the Urban Phoenix Project, which works to promote a more walkable, bikeable city. We will have a downtown that is still oriented completely around the automobile, which means that we'll have very expensive places to live without being able to uh, recoup some of that cost by reducing our transportation costs. It also will create a downtown that honestly is not very competitive with others across the country. And this is a competition between cities. So Phoenix has some soul searching to do when it comes to housing affordability. We need to be thinking about who Phoenix is currently for, who can live here, and what kind of city we want Phoenix to be in the future. Throughout this series, we've spoken about many of the barriers in the way of housing for lower-income people. From the city's history, to wages, to funding issues, there are so many forces which, combined, are making it harder for people to afford to live here. But Phoenix isn't the only place in the country struggling with housing affordability. So let's take a look at the issues Phoenix is facing and the way other cities and states are addressing those same problems. Take parking, for example. Remember how the city's design contributes to higher prices? Earlier in this series, Sweat told us how required parking minimums can increase the cost of buildings and how parking contributes to sprawl and makes us all more dependent on cars. If we were to eliminate parking minimums and let developers only build as much as they need, rents would come down as much as 15% in some places. So part of the affordability crisis can be tied to parking. Well, other U.S. cities are changing that. In 2018, San Francisco did away with off-street parking requirements for new construction, as did Buffalo, New York, and Hartford, Connecticut. Those changes to regulation won't solve those cities' housing problems in one swoop, but it's a sign that municipalities can rethink old approaches to urban planning with walkability and affordability in mind. Then there's the big issue of zoning. Joanna Lucio with the ASU School of Public Affairs told us about the zoning laws that make it so certain neighborhoods get set aside for single-family homes. If we're having minimal lot sizes and we're saying just single-family homes, well, that's already preventing the classic rental model of having like a multifamily rental. That effectively segregates the region by socioeconomic class and makes it really hard to build affordable rental housing in huge portions of the city. It's kind of mandating that the people who live here are going to have probably a certain income and a certain probably socio-demographic in general. 
Well, zoning laws can change too. In 2018, Minneapolis became the first major U.S. city to do away with single-family zoning to make way for more apartments, duplexes, and homes that people with lower incomes can afford. State lawmakers in California and Oregon looked into similar measures this year. Right now, most of Phoenix and much of the land in surrounding cities and suburbs is still zoned for single-family homes. And a 2015 Arizona law actually makes it illegal for cities to use their zoning codes to mandate quotas for affordable housing. But if other cities and states can reimagine zoning laws, could we? Section 8 housing choice vouchers are another example of something that other cities and states have addressed, but Arizona hasn't. Remember, Chanel had one of these federal vouchers for low-income people to help cover part of her rent to make housing costs more manageable for her? But like many voucher holders, she struggled to find anywhere in the Phoenix area that would accept it. No, it was not easy because a lot of places, it wasn't really accepting the voucher. It was, it was really, really hard. We talked to Sherry Horbaz with the Southwest Fair Housing Council about how there's nothing in Arizona law that requires landlords to accept Section 8 vouchers. They can, they can advertise at this point in time that they don't take Section 8 vouchers. But that's not how it is in Utah or Oklahoma or New Jersey. Altogether, 10 states, Washington, D.C., and dozens of U.S. cities have made source of income a protected class, meaning you can't deny someone a home for having a Section 8 voucher in the same way you can't turn them away for being African-American. So far, nowhere in Arizona protects source of income in that way. Of course, as we know, the biggest roadblock to affordable housing is funding. We simply don't have enough housing to go around, and building more homes costs money. Arizona has a housing trust fund to help pay for disaster relief and foreclosure prevention and new low-income housing. And this year, state lawmakers budgeted an extra $15 million for the fund. But that fund has been depleted for years following the Great Recession. And Joan Service with the Arizona Housing Coalition says that $15 million won't cover all that lost time. We're restoring the damage that has been done. And so we want to make sure that we have that state-level investment at least back to where it was 10 years ago. And then hopefully we can actually be in a better position going forward. At the end of the day, Service says Arizona still just doesn't invest as much in housing as other states do. So, for example, Massachusetts invests $400 million to address housing and homelessness. Okay, spoiler alert. This is our last episode, and this isn't going to be one of those podcasts that wraps up with a perfect solution. There's no easy fix for any of this. But a lot of these small changes that the state and the city could make might help before the problem of affordable housing gets out of control. But what can we do in the meantime until city and state leaders and developers and nonprofits all start working together to tackle this head on? Housing prices are probably going to keep rising. That's bad news. 
If you're a renter in the Phoenix area, especially if you have a lower income, there's a pretty good chance you're already paying more than you can afford in rent. A lot of people here are. Renters, remember, you have rights. So knowing your rights, I can't stress enough that knowing what your rights and responsibilities, that's going to be key because knowledge is powerful. Sherry Horbaz's organization, the Southwest Fair Housing Council, is there to help out if you think you've been turned away from an apartment for an unfair reason. And there are organizations like Chicanos por la Causa, Native American Connections, and UMOM that manage housing that's meant for families with low incomes. They have wait lists, but they're out there. And there are programs out there to assist first-time homebuyers, too, from the State Department of Housing and the organization Trellis, even if you think you can't afford a down payment. Maybe you're doing okay. You can afford your rent, but you don't want it to suddenly increase. Or maybe you own your home, but you worry about whether your kids will ever be able to afford a house. Or you're an employer, and you notice the people who work for you all seem to live really far away from the office. Even if your own housing situation is stable, there are so many ways a lack of affordable housing can affect you. What can you do then? Most importantly, vote. Pay attention to city and state-level elections and ask your elected officials what they're doing to keep Arizona affordable. From minimum wage laws to development regulations to public funding for housing, politicians have the potential to make a big impact here. That's their job. But they aren't the only ones with influence. Affordable housing is very much a zoning issue and a community buy-in issue. So how can we get that community buy-in to create more affordable housing? Jones Service says if we want more affordable housing, we all need to get behind the idea. A 2016 report from the real estate website Trulia shows building low-income housing has no impact on home values in nearby neighborhoods. Still, it's often neighbors and community members who speak out against new housing developments, affordable or otherwise. Joanna Lucio says if more people understood how critical affordable housing is to our economy, to our city's future, to our daily lives, and if we spoke up to support housing, we'd go a long way. I think we have to approach a community saying, hey, we want to we want to build a community, get businesses on board, get the schools on board, really get every all of the pieces because it's not just a neighborhood. That's a very isolated unit. But get the broader community on board saying, hey, we can really enrich this community by increasing housing. Lucio says it's not just that community members like you and I can be a part of the solution. It's that we have to be a part of the solution. Everyone kind of understands there's an affordable housing crisis. Um, if they could understand that they could be part of that solution, I think that would help them making that connection when they go to their local parks and they see persons experiencing homelessness there and they don't want to go there with their kids. Well, they want the city to do something, but understanding that in order to do something, we need them to help. Thousands of people are moving to the Phoenix area each year. And as demand for housing grows, more and more of our neighbors are struggling. Service says this just isn't what the Valley of the Sun was supposed to be. 
ultimately, I think Arizonans want, in their core values, they want everyone to have a safe, affordable place to call home. They don't want people languishing on the streets. They don't want to see veterans with a sign that says, um, I'm a veteran, I have no place to go. They don't want to hear stories about families and, and children doubled up in their car or couch surfing. So I think at their core values, you know, across the spectrum, we want people to have that cornerstone that housing provides. The signs of a housing crisis are all here. Rents are skyrocketing. Eviction rates are going up. Homelessness is increasing. Starting over in Arizona isn't as easy as it once was. For Chanel, at least, things are finally working out. She's getting ready to move into her own home. I'm definitely going to have a sectional. And then, of course, my like my TV right here. And then my sister, she's buying me uh, a shelf where I can put all my pictures. And then we have the kitchen right here. And I've never, ever, ever had a pantry. This is my first pantry right here. I love it. A comfortable place to relax, a space to gather with family, somewhere you feel proud of. At the dedication ceremony for Chanel's finished house, it's easy to see a safe, affordable place to live is so much more than just a roof over your head. Yeah, the journey was very long. Um, I had, had to be very patient, um, but I mean, it's all worth it because this house is beautiful. It's beautiful, so thank you. the question the city, the state, and all of us who live here have to ask is this. Don't all Arizonans deserve a home? You just listened to Unaffordable from Here, Arizona. That's H-E-A-R, Arizona. This podcast is made possible by support from the Nina Mason Pulliam Charitable Trust. This was the final episode of Unaffordable, but stay tuned for more podcasts from Here, Arizona. And if you have an important community issue you want us to report on, let us know. Get in touch with Here, Arizona on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. In this episode, you heard from Habitat for Humanity and several other Phoenix nonprofits. For more information about these organizations that work on the issue of housing, head over to our resource page at hearearizona.org. Here Arizona is a production of the Division of Public Service at Rio Salado College, which includes Sun Sounds, Spot 127, Soundbite, KBOC, and KJZZ. This episode was reported, written, and produced by Rachel Aronoff and me, Katherine Davis-Young, with contributions from Paul Atkinson. Linda Pastori is our executive producer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>